We've been doing a series, as you can see on, on the sign up, up on the front of the stage. It says, Welcome Jesus. And uh, two weeks ago, we, we talked about Welcome Jesus through rest. And last week, we talked about Welcome Jesus like a child. And um, this is going to be a different Christmas message in that uh, often we focus on the birth of Christ. And uh, in a time of much... Uh, gift giving and consumerism, I, I think it's appropriate that we turn our attention to something different and look at welcome Jesus through service. And um, my, my prayer is that this would be an encouragement to you and, and um, that it would just highlight things that you've already affirmed in your, in your daily life. Um, so would you pray with me and, and then we'll get started. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. We thank you that uh, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we worship you this morning with, with glad hearts. We thank you that you've done more than we could ever uh, give you adequate thanks for. And we simply humble ourselves today and ask that you would speak to our hearts, that we would be receptive and teachable and... Um, that you would have great uh, freedom to work in our hearts and our lives today. We thank you for uh, the body of Christ global that, that gathers today to, to honor and glorify you. We thank you that we uh, join a chorus uh, that continues throughout the day and throughout the week as we, we celebrate your birth. We honor you today and we ask that you would um, bless this time, that you'd be present to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, um, what I want to do is um, is really focus on Jesus as as a servant, and in his life, even from from birth to death, he he did simply he gave his life to serve, and you can see that in so many facets of the way he lived his life, and. Um, what I would like to do is, if you were here two weeks ago, um, I, I pr propose that when I come to prepare a message, I, I've been asking the question, what am I asking you to receive from Christ today? So as I did that t two weeks ago and last week, again, I'll do today, is, is I will make it clear to you what I'm asking you to receive today. Um, let's see if we can get this going this time. So what I'm asking you to receive from Christ today is a heart to serve. And as we go through some different passages and, and look at how Christ gave his life, um, may it be affirmed in you just a heart to serve. So do you remember two weeks ago I encouraged you to text during service? We're going to get that action on again this morning. So you can, if you have a phone and you would like to use it, um, just a, a few um, things I want to look at is I wanted to ask you the question and you can go ahead and bring it up. Um, first, keep your answers very short. Don't, don't write a, a dissertation. And second, um, the, only the first 40 people to re respond to this will, will come up on the screen and I'll just read them as they come. 
But the question is, what is our motivation or motivations? There isn't one answer to this question, but what is our motivations for serving? And so if you, in your text, you're texting to um, <coughs> 5844, and then in the body of your text, you're putting 22, oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. So your text goes to 22333, and then in the body of your text, put 5844, and then your answer. You got it? Did I complicate that too much? Yeah, well, you can still participate by getting to see what people share, okay? And if you have an answer to that, Richard, you feel free to. Yeah, do you, do you know your answer? Why do we, what's our motivation for serving? And you can tell me if you, you think of something. Say that again. That's awesome. Great. I appreciate you sharing. So we'll see as this populates people's answers. Did I do it wrong and I switched it? Okay, here we go. It says, we have freely received, so we also give. To receive eternal life, to receive God's grace and glory, makes the world a better place. That could be a song. Speak, spreads joy. To glorify God. To show God's love to others. To help others. To be a blessing. To lighten the load of others. To glorify God. People love to be served. To continually receive God's grace. To be honest. Myself. Pride. Wanting to be on top. Audience of one. If we have any others. How it makes me feel <coughs> gratification. Joyful obedience. Amen. Christ calls us to. Few more seconds. Oh. That's what Christ would have us to do. Exclamation point. All right, so we can go ahead and close that. I just find it fun to be interactive and to get a, a sense of what the way you guys think and process this. We're going to look at a few things today. As you saw the the graphic at the beginning. Um, Gabe Town created this, and um, basically it showed, this is a background of water, and it showed Jesus washing the feet, and in a most fundamental way, we, we saw how Jesus served in, in that he washed the disciples' feet, and we're going to look at that passage. So, um, and you, you could see some themes as we, we had people's responses today of, there was a lot of, <coughs> we're called to, it glorifies God, it, it blesses people. And all of those are true. So if you would turn your Bibles to um, John 13, <coughs> 5 through 7. And this is the passage that, that I just referenced. Um, before we read this, I just wanted to ask uh, two quick questions. Um, 
Raise your hand if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus. <coughs> and the second question is, this might be a trick question. Raise your hand if you consider yourself to be in full-time ministry. <coughs> Judah's in full-time ministry. That's awesome. <laughs> and the reason that made me feel like a, a trick question is that we often re re refer to full-time ministry as people who are paid or are in a, a formal position, but Jesus never intended for there be the, a differentiation between somebody who's in a title or a position and somebody that's a follower of him with no title or position. Say, say with me, I am, I am. a full-time minister. Full minister. And the truth is that you all are full-time ministers. To follow Jesus is to invite him into your whole life and to minister unto him and to people all the time, right? And so there's, there's this breakdown sometimes where we think, well, you know, we'll let the people that are paid or the, that are in positions to do the ministry and, and exempt ourselves from doing it, right? And... Um, that's never God's intention. He called his disciples, and they were... In, and, and a side note, do you realize that at BCC we have no full-time paid staff? It's a pretty unique church to have. We're, we're all part-time paid staff, and, and that is indicative of that, um, that we, we emphasize the value and the importance of everyone serving and everyone being a part. Does that make sense? Um, so let's read this scripture together. It says, John 13, 5 through 7. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and he wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what am I what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And I didn't put the whole text there. I wanted to highlight another part, and it says, um, excuse me, a little further on in the same chapter, it says in verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then your your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Amen. I, I found this passage profound, and, and some of the things I wanted to highlight in it is so Jesus goes to wash the disciples' feet, which in those days, their feet got pretty stanky and dirty, right? They, had, they didn't have shoes that covered their full feet. They had sandals or they walked bare feet. And their feet got pretty, pretty dirty. And it was common, which, just a side note, the, when Jesus turned water to wine, the <laughs> water that they used was water used for, for washing feet. And it was common that near the, the entrance of a household that there would be a basin or something to wash your feet. And it was just kind of a, a, a common practice 
that you would just wash your feet. It was a, a thing of respect. It was a thing of honoring the household as you entered. And, but you never washed anybody else's feet. That's just gross. You washed your own feet. And Jesus was being very intentional about doing something that was very visceral and graphic in nature of, of doing something that, that is very awkward. I don't know if any, anybody had their feet washed by somebody else, like a foot washing. There's nothing normal about it. <laughs> it's very awkward, but, but it's very profound in that it's of the, the, the breadth and depth of symbolism that's, that is resident in it. And Jesus went to Peter, and Peter, always very volatile in nature and the way he expressed <coughs> himself and was very, you never had to guess what Peter was thinking. He, he told you, and he was always shouting out things uh, in the moment. And Peter was like, no, no, you're not washing my feet. And it was kind of the same deal when John the Baptist went to baptize Jesus. Do you remember how it was met with resistance? I sh you should be baptizing me, not I you. And from, from the beginning, the inception of Jesus' ministry and, and throughout his life, he did things that confounded wisdom of the day or what was expected. And... Jesus is, in essence, saying to Peter, if you don't recognize me as the servant savior, you don't know me yet. I've been with you for three some years, and you haven't recognized this, this is the way I operate. I serve. I'm a servant. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And if you don't allow me to do this, you still haven't got it. You haven't recognized that I come as a servant. And Peter then goes to the other extreme. He does a full swing on the spectrum. He goes, okay, well, give me a bath, you know. And Jesus says, you're ridiculous. You know, that's not necessary. You're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. And, um, and so it's pretty profound to see how Jesus, and one time when I was in, in the Ukraine, we were, as a team, just there was a lot of, uh, just turmoil in our team. There was some tension. There was sleep deprivation from travel. We were all a little on edge, and there was some attitudes, and there was some dissension among us, and, uh, and a little resentment, I think, and it started to fester, and, and there was just um, uh, some hurt feelings and some, some pride, and I remember um, Pastor Jerry just got a basin and, or, you know, a bowl and some water, and he started to go, and I think I've shared this story before, but he just went from person to person on our team and began to wash our feet. And as he washed our feet, he just simply affirmed each one of us, saying, you know, how much he, he appreciated us, speaking blessing and uh, encouragement and life, and pretty soon we were all just weepy and crying. And it was just a thing that kind of, it, it dismantled our pride, it dismantled uh, anything that was in us that caused this, this uh, you know, tension between us. And by the end of the time, we were hugging on each other. And, and it's just, there's something about humility that completely undoes pride. And Jesus, you know, as you've heard the scripture in Proverbs where it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And Jesus operated this way among his disciples as one who serves. And he was not only doing this just because that's who he is. He comes to give his life away. 
but he was also setting for us an example of this, this, this also is how you are to live, that you are to live as a life of a servant. And I, and I had written in my notes, um, you know, I, I had affirmed that you are all full-time ministers. So in every context of life, it's a willingness to serve, that I'm not put in any place in my life to be served. Every place God places me is an opportunity for me to serve. Now, are there times where we will be served? Yes, and we should receive people's service gratefully and affirm the value of their service. So if people are waiting on us in a restaurant, sometimes we have this attitude, well, like, it took long. I'm not giving them a good tip. You know, and we kind of, you know, have this attitude, well, if you don't give this quality of service, then you don't deserve and, and I think that's not a good witness. I think I, I tend to try to give a, a generous tip regardless of how well that they serve because they're in a role of service and it's not, not easy. If you've ever served in a restaurant or in, in a service position or, or customer service where you're dealing with people who are yelling at you all day, <laughs> you feel like amazed just to get to the person you want to talk to. It, and I've said, you know, we're sorry. There will never be a human person available at this time. I just want to talk. Zero, zero, zero. <laughs> just want to talk to a person. And I finally got to the lady to talk to that we had damaged merchandise that was shipped to us. And um, I was a little curt and frustrated <laughs> because one of the waiting time. And finally, she was able to assist me. And, and I, I hung up. And I just felt my, my spirit like God said, that's not a good representation of me. And it wasn't a thing of he was condemning me. It was just like, there's a different way. And so <laughs> I called again, and I went through the maze to try to find the lady that I had spoken to to apologize to her. A and she was like, thank you so much. There's very few people that ever recognize that I have a really tough job dealing with very cranky people. <laughs> And so when we, we receive service from people, we should show a, a great appreciation. But we are placed in any position, an opportunity to be a servant. So I wrote down, in the home, we show hospitality. When, when people come into our home, service is expressed through receiving people. Can I get you something to drink? Um, let me hang your coat up for you. That's just kind of an atmosphere of hospitality. In public, we just show consideration for others. Hey, let me get that door for you. You know, and just trying to make people's lives easier. And I would be the first to confess that sometimes, and maybe you can identify with me, that you have a, an agenda and you're on a beeline to go somewhere and people are just an obstacle. <laughs> you ever felt that way, especially during the holidays? You're on a mission, get out of my way. <laughs> and that, that's what, it, especially like, Black Friday and stuff. I never experienced that, but I could imagine, you know, just the hustle and bustle to get where you're going and people are just an obstacle. But sometimes we can miss opportunities to really bless and serve others when we're so focused on our agenda. Does that, does that make sense? So in marriage, we put our spouse's needs before our own. We lay down our lives and for our spouse. In parenting, we, we lay down our lives for our children. It's a, it's a sacrificial thing to be a parent. Anybody that's a parent knows that very readily. In church, we build one another up, that we come here to, to, 
to sow into each other's lives, to build each other up in the office. It's, it's amazing how much um, just, oh, Jairus. Um, in the office, how much, it, how far it goes to just show genuine concern and care for people's lives. Um, you can change people's lives and, and by just listening. <laughs> I know it requires nothing of you to listen, but if somebody feels like you really genuinely care and, and listen, they'll be coming to you often. Um, you don't even have to have any profound wisdom to offer, you're just listening. But that is a way of serving people because there's a lot of people in this life that don't feel like there's any place where they're actually heard. They don't have a voice and no one really cares. So when somebody actually does, it, it makes quite an impact on them. One time I was working in a warehouse and um, we're just doing quality control of, of greeting cards. Probably one of the most monotonous, mundane things you could imagine, just, just checking card after card for eight hours. And this gal I was working with, she had great aspirations. She's a lawyer now, but at the time we were working and she had, hadn't graduated from college and <coughs> we're sitting there and, and she says, what a waste of a life. And, and I said, I don't think so. I said, I get to spend this time with you. You know, as we're working, we could talk and stuff. And, and I was expressing to her that nothing spent, any time spent with people is wasted. That I get to, a window into your life to get to know your story and she later came to Christ, and, um, and I thought that was profound, that it wasn't anything I necessarily said or did other than just being present to her and taking gen genuine care and concern for her life. Um, so the next scripture I wanted to look at together, um, and you can turn there if you'd like to, is in Matthew 20, 20 through 8, 28. You may recall call this passage, the, the sons of Zebedee were, their mother was there and they're kind of jockeying for position and it, so it goes. Then the mother of sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. That's some pretty confident guys there, huh? He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. And then it continues, and when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great, great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whomever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be the first among you must be the, your slave. Even as the Son of Man came to be, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you see the contrast of how diametrically opposed to the world system the kingdom of God is? It, it's upside down kingdom. It's the opposite. 
the world says assert yourself, gain control, uh, exert your power, grasp for power, and the kingdom of God is that that's not necessary. That's not how you show, show or gain power. You, 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 you are a powerful person when you serve. Uh, Pastor Holly shared a, a quote with me um, regarding this that I thought was really interesting. It says, um, everyone has access through greatness through serving. So in other words, you all are ac have access to greatness, and that's through service. In the kingdom of God, that's what God values, is, is your, as you lay down your life and learn how to serve, that's greatness to him. And I think sometimes we get, get that a little mixed up. I, I, I think sometimes we think, uh, even in, in our, our, the way we uh, operate in our families or in our relationships, sometimes um, we, we manipulate to try to gain control rather than being a servant. Um, you may have even participated in this. Like, given, Have you ever given somebody the silent treatment? <laughs> like, I'm not talking to you, and I'm going to show you. You're going to live into the, the mess that you made, and I'm going to be silent to you. And that doesn't really show an attitude of service, does it? <laughs> and it, it is a form of manipulation of trying <laughs> to, to, to gain control or the upper hand that I'm going to have control over you by I'm not going to talk to you. But that's not the way we do things in the kingdom of God. The way is to be a servant. Um, some basic, what I called service 101. And this is, I had asked you the question of what, uh, what motivates our service. And so this is my answer to that question. Um, so the first one I wanted to look at is all things unto Christ. You may be Familiar? Do you remember the scripture where it says, "Whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me"? And and the, and the disciples said, "Well, when did we clothe you? When did we feed you?" And Jesus says, "When you've done these unto the least of these, you've done unto me." Has anybody ever wondered who are the least of these? Have you thought that? Does anybody have a guess or who are the least of these that Jesus is referring to? I'm not sure I have the answer, but I'm curious if you do. Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> I, I've thought of several different things. I think he meant, at one, in one instance, I think he meant those who are impoverished, the poor, the least of these. I've also thought it, it is the lost sheep of Israel. I've also thought that it is um, anyone that uh, is disenfranchised <coughs> or, or marginalized. I've also thought it's children. Um, so, I mean, I think the thing that I came as I reflect upon that is that I think it's anyone that can't pay you back. Because God loves when we give in a way, because he, he talks about this, that uh, don't know, let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That he, and don't do your works before men. Do you remember where he talks about when you're praying, don't go to the street corner Go, go into the quiet place of a closet. Uh, when you're tithing or giving, don't do it with like you're heralding, look what I'm giving. He says it, do it in secret so that you may receive your reward from heaven. Do you remember that? 
So these secret things, I think what he was saying is, I know your heart's pure if you're giving to people that you're not getting rewarded for doing it. I, you're, I know you're doing it with a pure heart if you're not looking for a return on your giving. <coughs> I think that's profound, and, and I think it's, it's very practical for our lives. Of how, d- how many people like to get credit when they give, <laughs> if you're honest? One, one time I, I surprised somebody, and, and I gave them a DVD without them knowing, and it was such a temptation when they were excited and surprised. I never did let them know, but, but, it, but there was a temptation into me. I'd, I'd like for her to know that I did that. I'd kind of like to her to be like appreciative of me that I was so thoughtful. I'm just being honest. There, there's a tendency in our giving that we, we would kind of like people to recognize that, look how generous I am, look how uh, thoughtful I am, that we can have an agenda, right? Um, and, and it takes a measure of dying to self and self-control to do things unto people where it is in secret. And it's just <coughs> to bless people. There's no strings attached. There's nothing with my name attached to it. I'm simply doing it because I want to bless people. And that's the kind of giving that God loves because he knows the motivation of our heart and doing so isn't to get something out of it. And I think it's a great exercise. Anytime you have opportunity to, to give to bless people that can never pay you back, do it. And because your reward is in heaven and God honors that. Um, so when we, when we give, all our giving is unto him. And closely related to that, is seeing Christ in the face of others. I wanted to read this scripture to you. I don't have it memorized, um, but I think it's profound in its implications in the way we do life. It says in 1 John 4, um, verse 12, I'll read it. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So, in other words, what if we went through this life and we saw the face of Christ in every person? Is that too radical? So I don't see a a, a fat person. I don't see an old person. I don't see uh, a black person. I see Christ in all people. Does that mean that Christ is in all people? Well, inasmuch that they're created in the image of God, yes. And all people are of value to him. And so inasmuch, when, and when he said, when you do this under the least of these, I think when we come to a place where we recognize that whatever I give, whatever I do unto anyone, I'm doing unto Christ, that changes everything. Because that kind of sets a different bar, a different standard of the way we treat people, wouldn't it? Would you treat Christ like that? <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't yell at somebody like that. Well, no, I wouldn't honk at somebody like that if they're my brother and I see Christ. And, you know, it changes the way we drive. I have some conviction there. <laughs> it changes the way, you know, because sometimes it can become this array of, of people like that they're faceless, like because ca- cars you don't necessarily connect with a person face to face, right? So it's just an inanimate object. There's not really a person in a car; it's like a robot behind there. <laughs> you know, but we, we can do that. We can we can disassociate ourselves with people and make them inanimate objects, and so then it's not personal. 
But it's hard to do that. I mean, that's why people can bully online so easily because there, there's no accountability, there's no face-to-face, -face, and would they do that in person? Maybe, but probably not. And that's why, so people can write comments on, uh, who, whoever sees an article and goes straight to the comments, they skip the article, <laughs> and they're just curious what people are saying about what was written. The comments, you see people say some just brutal things. And it's like, because there's an anonymity of commenting that no one ever knows who said that, and there's no accountability to that, you know? And they probably don't even have a name on their comment that represents who they are. It's like, uh, Flyboy768, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, that's Austin's? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you've just been uncovered. But, but the point being that we, when, when we personalize it and, and it is a face and it is a person, then it changes the way that we see people. It's not just an inanimate object. We don't depersonalize it, that we actually see the person. Um, and then the third thing is it's a witness unto Christ. Matthew 5.16 is the verse that says, um, let your good deeds shine before all to see that they may praise. And that almost seems contradictory to this. Do you know, I just talked about the scripture of do things in secret so that you, your father may honor you. But then here it's saying, do, let your work shine before men. And, and there is a tension there. I don't think we, we do things. It all has to do with the condition of the heart. I, I don't do things to get recognition for people to see. I do it unto Christ. Yet, there should be a witness that people see the fruit of God in my life that draws them unto him. That people see that that's different than the world. I, I want to know more about that. I, wanna, I want that in my life. And, and when I'm honest, the, the people in my life, I would say that there's a godly jealousy I have of them. I see things in their life I want in my life. And that's probably why some of those people are my friends. It's just because there's something attractive about them that I, I and it's not a thing of jealousy of, of that, that, oh, they're, I want that in a way that's demeaning. It's a thing of, I want that in a godly way. I want that in my life. I want that kind of fruit in my life where as, as kind as, as Hannah is, I want to be kind like that. Or, you know, as, as consistent as pastors, I want to be consistent in that way with people. You know, so it's not a bad thing to have that desire to see those, those things in other people's lives that it would be uh, emulated in your own life. Amen? And then the last thing was practice humility. I find this pr very interesting that both of these things, it, it talks about humble yourself. So, so God can't humble you. I mean, he could put you in circumstances that would be humbling, but it still wouldn't necessarily change the condition of your heart, right? So there's never a, a point in which God could give you humility, he, he th th I think that, that the spirit of humility is our responsiveness to him, but it's always a choice. We have to humble ourselves. And, and of course, th that's not a thing of, of pride, of like, <laughs> which is funny, like, I humbled myself. <laughs> but, but, but a thing of, you know, because God says, I loved you first. Y even while you were dead in your sin, 
Christ died for you. So is, there's nothing of that, uh, of uh, any notoriety other than that I just recognize the responsibility for the condition of my own heart that I need to humble myself. And um, God always honors humility. You know that's true. God always honors humility. It says, humble yourselves and he will lift you up. He will raise you up. So humility is integral to all our service, that we would have a spirit of humility, that we're doing things because we recognize that how great he is, and we recognize that apart from him, we are nothing. And then, um, as I was processing this, I often just talk through this with, with several people, one of which is my wife and um, Pastor Turan and Pastor Holly and others. I just, it's helpful for me to process this. And um, <coughs> one thing that Pastor Holly highlighted to, to just encourage me to reflect on is boundaries. Because I think in serving, sometimes we get imbalanced. Do you know that to be true? Um, what do I mean by that? Let's look at it. Have you ever been serving unto exhaustion where you just, you're over-serving? And burnout. Burnout is a result of doing too much and maybe not necessarily what God's called you to do. And the reason I bring this um, to, to the forefront is like you may remember, do you remember Martha and Mary serving uh, Jesus? They were both serving Jesus. Martha was serving Jesus by preparing a meal, and Mary was serving Jesus by sitting at his feet. They were both serving. And neither of them were serving in an inappropriate way. Both were doing something that was honorable. But it was the attitude with which they were doing it that was the difference. Mar Martha, was marrying in, or Martha was serving in a way that she was indignant towards her sister for not helping. And so she had an <laughs> attitude of, you're wasting you're not helping me. Um, you should be in here helping me. And so she had this attitude of, of, you know, it's not fair. I don't. I shouldn't be doing all the work. And so we have to be careful, you know, in our serving the attitude with which we serve. And then the second thing, I said, serving out of guilt or or comparison. Um, sometimes this this goes back to the motivation of why we're serving. Um, Sometimes we feel like, well, I should be serving, so I'll just do something. And, you know, because, and my intention in, in this message is simply to, to draw your attention to the life of Christ and the way he served. It's not to have an agenda that you should sign up tomorrow or today for, for uh, the resource desk. We want to have an atmosphere at BCC that everyone serves because we know that there's value in that. Does that make sense? And we believe that discipleship happens through an, uh, an atmosphere of, of service. Um, as we learn to humble ourselves and, and, and serve, we, we, we grow because we're putting ourselves in places that we may not necessarily, you know, would be our preference. Does that make sense? Um, and then the third thing, and, and the other scripture that I had thought of when this comparison, do you remember in John where Peter says, what about them? And Jesus says, you follow me. We can get into this comparison thing, well, you know, others are serving this way or that way, and this is, Jesus is like, don't worry about other people of the way you're, you're to serve. I'm calling you to do this. You follow me. 
And then the third thing, not serving due to disqualifying yourself. Have you ever shrunk back from an opportunity because you didn't feel like I'm qualified to do that? And Jesus never picks you because of your good looks or because your mad skills in something. He picks you because he is able to do in you immeasurably more than you dare to ask or imagine for yourself. And so we never should say yes or no to opportunities. And it's likely that you'll grow the most if you particularly don't feel skilled to do something. Sometimes we just do things that we feel confident that we're able to do. And then we never grow in the areas where we're stretched to do things that we probably feel like we can't do. But if we submit ourselves to God and try, we'll be amazed at how much we flourish in something that we never thought we could do. And I've tried to make it a habit of my life to, to not shrink back from things that I'm not confident in because I'm amazed at how much I grow. Is there frustration in the process? Absolutely. <laughs> I remember the time that I, uh, I'm not a handyman, but I'm becoming, I'm a, a wannabe handyman. <laughs> but I have some great people around me that always are giving me tips when I struggle, like YouTube and Joshua Thompson. One time I, I went to install, you know, the microwave that's over the range. Um, I w went to install a new one. <laughs> and I'm not the kind of guy that reads the directions, and that's a fault of mine. And Heather is one who reads the directions. And I never forget, I went to install it. I got it all up, mounted, and, and Heather said, well, did you rotate the blower? I'm like, rotate the blower? It came with the blower facing to the wa wall, and you have to ro take it out turn the unit forward so that if you don't have circulation through the back of the wall, it'll come out the front. So I like <laughs> SMH, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shake my head, and have, I had to take it down, rotate it, and she's, she's just like, just read the directions, it's not that hard. <laughs> and so I learned my lessons. I'm getting better at reading directions, at least referencing them. But, but the point being that now could I install a microwave, I'd have a lot of confidence. I've done it once. But, but would I've, uh, if I had never tried, I wouldn't have that confidence. And so there's, there's a thing to don't, don't shrink back from opportunities simply because you haven't done it before or you're not confident that you can do it because you'll be amazed at what God will do through you and, and how much you'll grow in the process. And then you'll even come to a place that you'll be teaching others how to do it. And, and, and you'll get to be a blessing to others by learning what you've gained to share with others. Um, and the final thing I just wanted to highlight as, as we, we get ready to close you, um, can you come forward, is serving on purpose. We grow in love for God and therefore grow in love for people. As if we're doing all things under Christ and we're, we're seeking to serve him, it, it's inevitable that our love for people grows. You can't l grow in love for God without growing in love for people. And so that's the crux for the point of, of, of service is we're doing everything unto him. And as we do everything unto him, who do we serve? We serve the people around us. Uh, and then the, uh, the last point, and seeking to serve under the will of God. Um, I had referenced earlier that, you know, don't ask the question, am I skilled enough? ask the question, is this what God's called me to? That would be my question for you this morning is, 
what, what has God called you, what ways have God called you to serve? And sometimes if we, we would just take time to, to pause, because we can get so busy in life and just fill our days without actually taking time to, re, to, to ask the question, to, to ask the Lord. It's amazing how much God loves to speak to us if we actually <coughs> take time to listen um, and, and to actually ask him questions. Um, and to ask the question, Lord, what then shall I do? What, what have you called me to? He may say, be still. He may say, you know, I'd love, and, and when I'm talking about service, I'm talking at every area of life. This may be the way you serve your spouse. This may be the way you serve at church. This may be the way you s bless people and serve at your work. This may be the way you serve a homeless person that you pass on the street. But don't miss opportunities. And we're actually going to be talking about um, next week is, have you ever had regrets for missed opportunities? Anybody? A regret for missed opportunities? We're going to look at what, what does that look like for, how do we deal with our regrets for missed opportunities? And um, so would you pray with me as we close? Father, we love you. We thank you that you are the servant savior, that you came not to be served, but to serve and give your life as a ransom for many. We want to be willing and available to you to do whatever you ask of us, to do whatever is helpful for building up the kingdom of God. And we pray that we would not disqualify ourselves. We pray that we would not uh, shrink back because we're, we're not confident in ourselves, but that our confidence would be in you. Lord, that if you say so, that's enough for us. Just say the word, Lord. That's enough for us. We ask that you would speak to our hearts and show us the ways we can lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, how we can see your face in our, the face of our brother and our sister. And Lord, that we would do all things unto you, that we would have a heart to serve, and that we would find ways every day to, to serve the people around us that you place in our path. We know that it's not by accident, but that you're very purposeful in the people that you place in our path, that we might make a difference in their lives and show them what the kingdom of God is about. It's a, a life of service. We love you today and we, we, lay, we joyfully submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.